I was thinking this morning, or rather reminded that this year, in January, it was uh, 40 years uh, in ministry. Um, January 1983. Um, so, uh, 40 years of, um, of being a, a, um, a full-time worker, uh, doing many things, a pastoral work for a number of years in KwaZulu-Natal, uh, teaching at the Bible Institute of South Africa for 22 years, and now engaging in uh, training um, church leaders in the Eastern Cape and in the Northern Cape, uh, Queenstown and Kimberley, and teaching at Cape Town Biblical College, um, and engaging in um, pastoral leadership at our church at Plumstead, um, Baptist, but 40 years, um, and I remember the time in, it was June, it was the week of June, that we graduated from our training, and we were about to enter, I don't know if you remember the old Siskai and Tronskai, we were about to enter mission work in, in, in that old area, and we were all young and nervous, we had studied the scriptures, we had, I was the official preacher, and I was clueless about a whole lot of things, right? I think it's because nobody else wanted to be the preacher. And so I put a few sermons together, and we were going to do evangelism and mission amongst the Klosa people um, in that region. And we traveled into this area with our combis. Uh, we were, there were 15 of us as we went in, and we were going to go in and, and spend uh, two to three months you know, working um, in the Eastern Cape. And I remember the leader of our group um, said to us before we went in, he said, you have done all of your training, all right, a few months. <laughs> um, we've prepared you, all that we can do for you. Now it's up to you. You have to now be faithful. You now have to live out what we have trained you to do and put all these things into practice in your life. Well, it's easy for him to say that he's not going with us. You know, for us it was like going uh, like lambs uh, into the slaughter um, and, uh, you know, going to an unknown land for, for, you know, for most of us. But I remember those words. They were special words. They were words of commission. They were words that helped us to realize the importance of now that you know all these things, now that I have prepared you to do all these things, right? You have now to put these things into practice in your life. I'm watching you. I care for you. Um, I will be faithful to you um, throughout your sojourn, throughout your journey, and throughout your ministry. And I think our text today is something like that. You know, this particular generation of people have been prepared by God for a certain ministry and a certain mission. And I was reminded of that as I put this together, that no matter what generation we are in, we are to be faithful to do His will and be faithful with what God has prepared us 
um, to do. And so the theme of my message today is living the gospel day by day, or simply living that gospel day by day. I was reminded this morning, um, you, know, you know, preachers normally, there's, a, there's always a last word stuff that comes in and so forth, of a passage in Luke, uh, Luke chapter 12, um, and um, the parable that Jesus told in Luke 12 of the parable of, of the two kinds of servants in Luke 12 and verses 40 uh, odd and so forth. Um, he told the parable about two kinds of servants in regards to their master's will. One servant knew the master's will and the other did not know the master's will. Uh, both of them um, however, did not do what the master wanted them to do. Now, it is interesting to notice that there is a certain amount of responsibility for the servant who did not know the master's will. And our passage in Luke 12 suggests that the Lord focuses more on the one who knew the master's will and did not do it. And the point of the parable, I think, is summarized in verse 48 of Luke 12. And I'll read it to you. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. In other words, my brothers and sisters, the more we have been given, the more we know, Jesus says more will be required of us. It is easy to assume that only wealthy people have been given much. But in truth, we have all been given much. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 7, For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did not receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? You're trying to kind of circumvent the responsibility on those who have been given a lot more. Lord, I've been given a very little, so very little uh, is required of me. Nonsense. All of us have been given something by God. And all of us, no matter you know, how little and how much, have a responsibility to be faithful with the much or the little that God has given to us. And with that in mind, our passage in Deuteronomy will make a lot more sense. So Moses is, um, in that particular passage, if you can recall, Moses is still delivering um, his first of three sermons that are in this book. Um, the Israelites are on the plains of Moab, and they are about to cross the Jordan and take possession of the Promised Land at last. Um, they won't be joined by Moses, as you know who by now is about 120 years old. All right, God had told him because of his very public um, display of disobedience, um, 
that he would not enter the land of Canaan. You remember in Numbers 20, um, God asked him to speak to the rock, and he struck the rock. All right, and there's, there's consequences for not obeying the very words of God. And the second thing that he does is um, he takes credit for the water that comes out of the rock instead of giving the credit to God. Two mistakes that he makes, um, and probably there's a lot more going on in his heart. And because of that, there are consequences for his, for his disobedience. And God then tells Moses to focus on preparing the next generation. His young lieutenant, um, by the name of Joshua, who will take the people over into the land of Canaan. All I want you to do is you must train him to lead the people in, but you're not going to go. I'll be gracious to you. I'm going to, um, I'm going to allow you to see um, the land. That's, that's, that's as much as I'm going to do for you, and then I'm going to take you away to be with me. You've done all that you needed to do, but there are consequences for, um, for, for your disobedience. So the people are about to cross, and they're a younger generation. Uh, God had already uh, made uh, that choice um, uh, you know, for them. Most of them who had, um, all of them who had left um, Egypt would not enter. It's only their children, those uh, you know, 20 years and older, would go into the land of Canaan, and that's because of, of disobedience and idolatry and um, you know, spiritual adultery and all those things, you know, um, unfaithfulness to God. Um, God already had said that, um, that, that none of the generation who left Egypt would enter into the promised land, but your children, the younger ones, um, those 20 years and younger will go in um, to the promised land. Um, and those of you who were um, who left um, Egypt, who die um, in the wilderness. And they roamed around until the last one had died in the wilderness. And these, and these younger ones um, were the people with whom God made a covenant. These young, you know, this younger generation. Uh, they were redeemed, they were delivered by God, they were given something that very few up to that time in human history were given. They were given God's word. They were given God's promise that I'm going to be with you. I was with your fathers, I was with your grandparents, but I want you to know that I'm with you as well. As you go in, um, you must entrust your life you know, to me, you must be faithful, um, because I am the one who will guide you and lead you and watch over you. My brothers and sisters, we are reminded as we come to this passage, um, we're reminded that people who have this word of God and his word to us have a great responsibility. And I'm constantly, daily reminded about that in my own life. For 40 years, God's grace, God's faithfulness in ministry, his training, his preparation, the amount of information, um, sitting under the authority of the word, Sunday after Sunday, Bible studies, prayer meetings, all that stuff that God has done for me. 
Um, along with all of that, there comes a great responsibility to be faithful. So my brothers and sisters, if we have the Word of God, the question is how will we live on the basis of that Word? Um, this sounds a lot like a graduation sermon, eh? Hey, um, now that you've been through your three years, where's our brother at George Whitfield um, and others and so forth and colleges and so forth? Now that you've received all this information, what are you going to do with it? I know in the many years that I've spent training um, uh, you know, students, there's a group of them that never use it. It never really, um, it doesn't really, I often wonder, all these years of training, why, why do you throw it all away? What's the use of spending the, your time and your energies on, uh, on being in Bible study and uh, sitting under the authority of the Word and then you never use it? You fall by the wayside. As if, uh, it's almost as if nothing really you know, happened. Will you follow it? Will we follow it? Will we implement it? And will our lives um, on a daily basis be distinct from those who don't have the Word of God. That's, that's, that's the big question, isn't it? That's the big question. Will it be distinct? Will it be different? Will we be seen to be different? Will we be um, evangelists? Will we be um, in armor, you know, uh, you know, by the, you know, by the gospel? Will we, will we be taken up with the glory of the gospel and live that out in, in our lives? And so we come to examine these words today and we'll do it under three headings. First of all, uh, let's consider the call of God's word, the cautions associated with God's word, and then thirdly, the blessings that come from God's word. So firstly, what is the call of God's word? Um, the call of God's word is very simple. Hear it or listen to it. Hear the decrees that I'm about to teach you. And, the, and of course the Hebrew word is, is, uh, is Shema. Hear, um, O Israel. Hear, O Israel. This is not just the idea of hearing or listening, uh, the way you listen to music. Um, sometimes uh, it's in the background, um, and occasionally you tap your foot and you get involved in it and so forth. Um, but then you get distracted, and you can't remember exactly what you're listening to. And those of you who are older, you know what I'm talking about. You know, the older you get, the less you can remember things that happened one hour ago, uh, you know, and so forth and so forth and so forth. Uh, but, but, but so often we weren't really listening or paying attention. But the word of God, or the word Shema, means to listen with everything that is, is within you. Um, I don't know what your, one of your pet hates are. If you ask me, what is, it, what is the thing that you really dislike? I'll tell you what I do dislike, is somebody who's not really listening. My wife says this to me. She says there's a difference between listening. This is a woman, okay? My wife. She says this, okay? There's a difference between listening and really listening. Right? Has your wife ever spoken to you and you're watching TV sport? Hey? It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, the guy is running towards the try line and she's in the kitchen and she asks you a question. Hey? And you know what? You're not, you never really heard. And there's big trouble, right? There's big trouble. Uh, so, sorry, did you say that again? 
No, you don't say that. Don't, don't say say it again. Of course, then you are, you, you are, you are going to get it, all right? But that's, that's the way our lives are. Um, sometimes we don't really pay attention. Um, I, I enjoy going to Bryden's you know, cricket games for many, many years, Bryden and Adam are the son. And before they go onto the field, they stand in the circle. And they sort of bend down, you know, sort of, you know, I don't know what on earth they're talking about. I'd love to go closer. You know, some, you know, motivational speech or whatever it is, they, they're talking to each other. And they huddle around and they talk to each other and so forth. Um, and, and then they, you know, it was a nice place for Bergfleet. And they put their hands together. And then I hear them say, Berries. <laughs> then they run into the field. You know, they amped up and they really, they really want to get going and so forth. And I think what they're talking about is all that we have done to prepare ourselves, let's put it into practice. Let's go and do what we know we can do and so forth. As a coach or a captain instructs the team in this way, pay attention to what you have heard and how we have trained you and taught you. This is what we do when we want people to know something important. We remind them of something. So my brothers and sisters, these are not just words. We really need to listen. We really need to listen. And when it comes to the Word of God, the living Word of God, Moses says, listen, you're about to enter into this new phase in your life. All right? You've been wandering around for 40 years. Maybe 41. I don't know, longer, but a long time. Are you excited? Are you excited after many, many years, a journey that you have, should have taken you a few weeks? 40 years, you're about to enter now. Right? You are actually going to get the land that I promised you for hundreds of years. You're going to get it. This generation is going to get it. You are the ones who are going into this land. Your fathers, your mothers, your grandfathers, your, your, your grandmothers all died. They longed for it. They even sang about it. But you get to go in. And you are going to go in because I promised you that's the kind of God that I am. I always keep my promises. You're a distinct people. And because you belong to me, and I've spoken to you, you're going to know things about me. I've, I've, I've taught you, I've trained you. I've taught you about what is right and what is wrong. And this will make a difference in your life. You are unique. I've chosen you. You're special to me. And because I'm going to tell you these things, again, you must listen to me. You must listen to me. I'm going to talk to you about um, your need to worship. I'm going to talk to you about how you must dress, uh, what you can eat and what you can't eat, and how you must relate to one another. 
I will give you principles that will flesh out what it means uh, to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm going to teach you to walk justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. I've told you this before, but I'm going to do this again. So pay attention. Listen carefully to me. I'm going to give you both general and broad principles and specific principles. You are not just to guess these things as you go along. Not, you're going by your feelings. You're not asking for people's opinions. I've taught you and I will continue to train you. You need to listen to me. And the next thing he says to them is not just listen, but you must do it. You must do it. I was thinking of a verse this morning, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. There's a doing part. There's a putting into practice part. There's a living it out part in our lives. Yeah, hear this one again. Hear the decrees and laws that I'm going to teach you. Follow them so that you may live. Observe them or simply do it. This is not just interesting information that you're receiving. Are you going to listen to me? Um, are you going to do what I'm telling you to do? And you might ask, uh, why does it have to be this high or this wide? Does it you really matter? It does. Because it's what God wants. And you need to listen and you need to do it. It's amazing how many Christians, knowing what the Word of God is, still do their own thing. And it's still the last person to consult is God. <laughs> In areas of relationships or business, uh, what way to go? What is your will for my life? Very often that's the last, it's the last question or the last person we consult is God. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 28, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey or to observe everything that I have commanded you. Jesus says you are going to do more than preach. You are going to teach people how to implement the will of God for their lives. You're going to teach them the words of Jesus, the commands of Jesus, and the will of Jesus. Teach them how to do it. Jesus wants us to observe whatever he has commanded. In other words, what does love look like? Teach them how to love. Don't just tell them that they must go and bear witness. Uh, don't just tell them that they must be salt and light. Show them what it means and how they can actually do it. The Bible, all over the place, talks about the great danger of knowing the will of God and not doing it. It is far better, my brothers and sisters, to be ignorant of God's law than to know them and to fail to do it. The Apostle Paul says in Titus 2, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions 
and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Some will say, well, nobody can live this way. I think that that, that, that is twisting God's word. You can't, of course, do this on your own. It's impossible. Thank God for the gospel, the grace of God not only cleanses, it liberates, and it empowers you to do what you are not capable of doing. So that person with a new heart, when ungodliness and worldly lusts, you know, come their way or come knocking, and of course they will, God's grace teaches us to say, no. So I have to live soberly, wisely, uprightly, and righteously in this present age. We have God's word. We know God's will. And we have God's spirit. So my brothers and sisters, first of all, we must consider the call of God. We must listen to it. And we must do it. Secondly, there are cautions that are associated with God's word in verses 2 and 3 of Deuteronomy 4. It gives um, he gives here what I call a theological caution and a historical caution. Theologically, it is this. God's word is sufficient. Don't mess with God's word. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. This is almost exactly the same as the end of Revelation 22. Um, um, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy, uh, if anyone adds anything, God will add to that person the plagues described in the scroll. And if anyone takes words away from the scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in the scroll. Now that is very, that's a very, very strong warning. God's word given by God himself is enough. We have... We have sung about Jesus being enough. His word is enough. You don't need any other revelation. And I don't know. I spend an awful amount of time trying to explain to our students that the revelation of God is complete. You don't need anything more. You don't need to add. And a lot of people today, even in the church, um, they, I think sometimes their desire is to add things in, make up things and add it in. Um, we spend a lot of time talking about the sufficiency of Scripture, God's Word alone and nothing else. And that is important for you and me to know. We, we can't change or alter God's word to make it seem more loving and, and more compassionate. Um, uh, you cannot be more loving. You cannot be more gracious or compassionate or, or merciful than God himself. Uh, the social media tries to intimidate us to deny biblical authority more and more. Um... Shouldn't you be more loving to gays and lesbians than you are, um, you know, today in the church? Shouldn't you be more welcoming of them? Shouldn't you be more compromising in your churches? Well, the fact of the matter is you can't take away the sharp edges of God's word when you preach in God's word. 
There's no person who can stop you from preaching the truth of God's word. And, and of course, God's word will hurt. You can't take away the necessity of holiness. It's one thing to add to the words of amazing grace. It's another thing to add to God's word. It's different. You can, you can make chopping and changes of hymns and, and songs, but don't do that to the word of God. It's different. You know, John Newton is, is not Moses. Isaac uh, Watts is not the Apostle Paul. God's word, these things I'm giving to you is going to be enough for you, for your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. These words are still enough. That's marvelous. That's a theological caution that is given to us. And then he gives them a historical caution. He adds about Peor in verse 3. Remember Peor? Where the people of Israel bowed down to worship foreign gods? You can read about that in Numbers 25. This, inc this incident is, is uh, you know, not ancient history. Moses is not saying that uh, we don't have to, you know, saying we don't have to go far back in history to see what happens when God's word is ignored. Uh, God's word is a great blessing. It is sufficient for our lives and for our practice, but with that blessing comes the call to know God's word, to memorize God's word, and then to do God's word. And when you rebel against the law, when you ignore his law, when you divert from his law, there are going to be consequences. Remember Numbers 25. Remember what happened there. The desert wilderness is full of graves. Your parents, your grandparents died without possessing the land because they heard the word of the Lord. They knew the will of the Lord, but they did not do it. Because I said, you shall have no other gods before me. I said, you shall not make for yourself an idol and bow down to it. But 40 years later, this is exactly what they are doing. They're still doing it. They heard it. They heard God speaking about it. They saw the mountains shake. They heard the thunder and, the, and they saw the lightning and all the rest. They saw all of the things. And they were unfaithful. And there are consequences. Moses is saying that you may that you may be too little, too small, too young to remember how the ground opened up. But you saw Baal of Peor, and now it's on you, it's on your shoulders. Are you going to be a people that knows the word of God and refuse to do it? Or are you going to hear the word of God and are you going to put that word into practice and so he reminds them about the history of the nation of Israel so there's the call of God's word listen and oh and do it and there are cautions always cautions associated with God's word remember that God's word is sufficient and remember that there are consequences when we ignore it 
the consequences will be ignored. You, I don't have to preach it to you. I don't, in fact, have to remind you about it. When you read it for yourself and you choose to ignore it, there are going to be consequences. And I'm reminding you of the history just a few years before of what happened to your parents and your grandparents. I'm reminding you about that. Don't go that same route. Don't go that same route. And then finally, we need to consider the inherent blessings of God's Word. I remember preaching a sermon. I don't know, Chris, if you can remember something like this in your ministry. I remember preaching at a church some years ago, and the sermon seemed to be all doom and gloom. You know, when you preach on the doctrine of sin, it seems that way, eh? And then, I don't know if it got carried away. I thought, I thought my sermon was really, really balanced. I can't remember all the details, but a lady at the door, you know, that's why it's not a good idea to stand at the door and shake people's hands after the service, you know. <laughs> it can be a very discouraging experience. Or encouraging. And she said to me, Pastor, you did not preach the full counsel of God. You know, you did not offer us any hope. I thought, oh boy, then I blew it. I blew it. So I went back to my notes and she was wrong. I, I did. And I asked the pastor for a recording. I did. She obviously missed the point somewhere along the line. But I got her point. I got her point because God's word always has blessings. There's the warning, there's the danger. Uh, here's the inherent blessings that are part of God's word. And I mean two things by this. The blessings of having God's word and the blessings that come from following God's word or doing it. There are always blessings. Let's consider the first one very, very quickly. The blessings of having God's word. Verse 6 is an amazing verse. If you go to Deuteronomy 4, um, again, keep them and do them for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of all the peoples who when they hear all these statutes will say, surely this great nation is wise, is a wise and understanding people. I wish I can spend a lot more time on that verse. It's like God saying to you, the only people I know who seem to know um, that you are the only people uh, that I know who seem to know what's going on. You are the only people who live life with certainty, so, you know, he's saying. Um, my brothers and sisters, we live in a, a day of such great um, moral, theological, and philosophical madness and craziness. What a blessing it is not to be swept away um, because our feet are, are, um, are not firmly planted on his word. We, but we are. We are planted firmly on his word. And the moral and the intellectual and the um, spiritual foundations of our nation um, has and, and, and is being shaken to its very core. In fact, in fact, they've fallen apart. I don't know what else to say to you. It's all fallen apart. 
Uh, we don't know who we are. We don't know what's right and what's wrong very often. We think we do. It's a, it's a crazy time to live in. We will, we will um, remember this at the end of our days, maybe to say to our children or our grandchildren, um, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that you're going to be with Jesus. Um, you know, you have to live with the consequences in the next generation. Um, but my brothers and sisters, I'm also so thankful not to be on the ever-changing sea of popular opinion, to know that there is a God who has made me, who knows what is best for me. That's a blessing beyond compare, to know how to work, to know how to love, to know uh, to go about doing things uh, because it is right, because God has explained it by giving us his word. That's the inherent blessing of having the word of God. It's clear. That's what I know I have to follow. His law, his, you know, his, um, his instructions for my life. I know what I have to do. And we are so blessed to have our Bibles, and we are so blessed to have access to the throne room of grace. And then finally, there is an inherent blessed, you know, blessedness that comes from those who know the will of God and do it. If you go back to verse 1 of chapter 4, um, and now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I'm teaching you, and do them that you may live, and go eat and take possession of the land the God your fathers is giving to you. I'm telling you these things so that you can live and prosper. And that verse again in Matthew 7, 21, and everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. James 1 and verse 22 and 25, do not merely listen to the word and so, be and, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says, they will be blessed in what they do. Luke 11 Verses 27 and 28, and I'm trying to show the, the blessedness of, um, of living in obedience. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm reading these verses to you. Uh, Luke 11, 27 and 28. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave birth to you and nursed you. He replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Now you might be saying, but we're not perfect here. We struggle. And of course you're not perfect. But imperfection is different to rebellion and indifference. Someone who says, Lord, I want to love you with all my heart. And... I'm really sorry that I don't, is different from somebody who says, I'm going to indulge in this, indulge in that, live like the world, but thank God I have my ticket to heaven. It's different. Perfect? Of course not. A young person trying to live a life that pleases God Striving after purity, striving after contentment, 
striving after usefulness. The Lord sees this and will bless that. You might be saying, my circumstances are difficult. But as you seek the mercy and the power of the Spirit to be that young man or woman or, or godly parent or grandparent that God wants you to be, the Lord says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and really listen. John 13, verses 16 through 17, Jesus says, Very truly, I, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Not blessed if you know them, but blessed if you do them. There's a big difference. It's not about intellectual knowledge, it's about, it's about putting that knowledge into practice in your life so that people can see. It's being salt and light. It's taking your, your faith and making it known. We sat around some coffee a few years ago Lamenting the fact that when we became Christians, maybe we were wrong. It's not a good idea to sit around groaning and moaning about life, you know. It's always a good idea to be sitting around people who are positive, <laughs> you know. But I know what we were talking about. We were talking about when we came to faith in Christ, how eager we were, how fervent we were, how zealous we were. And we remembered a number of us in that room who were not with us, who had fallen by the wayside. And we prayed for them. They knew the word, but they were not living it out. My graduating class, when I was at seminary, my undergraduate, at Cape Town Baptist Seminary, we had 25 that year who graduated, and so I've got the picture. Four of us are serving the Lord today. Not four of us in ministry, four of us are serving the Lord today. It's not just knowing it. It's not just attending and growing. It's actually growing by doing the best way to, to grow is to do it. Is to show your children. Is to teach your children by doing it in your life. Stop calling me Lord. Lord, if you can't do what I say. Don't say I know what God wants me to do. For example, my work, my studies, in my purity. I know the person I should be. I know if... If, if I did this and stopped doing that, that it would be more honoring to God and better for my soul. I know that by the power of the Spirit, if I strive harder to battle the sin, that God would grant me success. But I don't want to do it. <laughs> that's, the, that's the point. You know this stuff, but you refuse to do it. But that's so different from people that I've met who strive to follow Christ 
and they stumble and they get up and they plead the mercy of God and they maybe stumble again and they get up and they recognize their fallenness but they want to and they are so desirous to live for Christ and they get up again and they plead the mercy of God because they know that they can only live this faith by the mercy of God and not in their own strength. You know, that's true, eh? That is true, and the more I, the longer I spend my life in Christ, the more I realize that daily it's by His grace I can't carry on on my own. Some here this morning maybe need to seek the Lord for salvation. The Lord says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart, don't give up. Keep on seeking. Some of you need to seek him in order to live the way he wants you to live. Is that what you want? That's what these people here wanted as they were going into the promised land. We are living in dark times, then and now. It was true three and a half thousand years ago. It was true two thousand years ago. It was true fifty years ago. It is true now. I came to know the Lord in 75 under the preaching of uh, Frank Retief and I remember him telling me that as he spoke to me as a young you know, person it's never going to change there will always be dark times it is true today as it was true then will we be a people who will call out to God not trusting in the flesh not trusting in man not trusting in politicians but trusting in God, hear the word of God and implement it. God's blessing and smile will rest on you and on me. Let's pray and ask that that blessing will rest on us. Oh, Heavenly Father, as we approach you today, having heard your word, having focused upon the people who are about to enter into the promised land that you promised them by your word, you promised that you'd be faithful to them if they remain obedient to you. Whatever stage we are in in our lives, wherever we are, whatever decisions we have to make, whatever struggles we have in our lives, then and maybe in the future, our trust is in you. We're always considering you, your purpose, your will. We want to do it the way you instructed us to do it. We won't look to the left or to the right. We will look into your word. We will be obedient. We will be faithful to you. Please enable us to do what we struggle often to do. And by your grace, help us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Keep us focused upon the plain teaching of your word, especially in the days that we are living in, days of confusion, days of moral decline, days of compromise. Be gracious to us and keep us from falling. Keep us from falling. 
and keep our focus and our attention on you and upon your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.